What's up, folks? Welcome back to the Whoop Podcast, where we're on a mission to unlock human performance. I'm your host, Will Ahmed, founder and CEO of Whoop, and this is a great episode. Here is Jeremy Powers, Whoop Senior Sports Marketing Manager, being joined by professional cyclist Allison Jackson. And if you don't realize, Jeremy Powers, formerly professional cyclist himself, so this is a great duo. Allison is a female professional racing cyclist riding for Team EF Education First, Tibco SVB. She is a two-time and current Canadian National Road Champion, the 2021 Canadian National Champion for Time Trial. She represented Canada at the Tokyo Olympics, and back in April, she won the 2023 Paris-Roubaix Femme. With the Tour de France Femme coming up next week, we had to sit down with the conqueror of the cobblestones herself to dive deep into the world of women's cycling. Jeremy and Allison discuss Allison's life growing up and how she found endurance sports. She came a long way from a farm in Alberta, I'll tell you that. Winning the Paris-Roubaix Femme, her emotions around winning one of the biggest single-day races of the year. Her passion for entertaining and social media, Allison's become a bit of a viral sensation, what it means to be a team leader, and racing in the Tour de France Femme. For all you members out there on Android, good news, we have Google Health Connect now integrated with Whoop, so you can seamlessly export Whoop data into Google Health Connect and send your Google Health data to the Whoop app. And as a reminder, we also integrate with iOS Apple Health Kit, so you can do that as well. If you're new to Whoop, you can use the code WILL at checkout and get a $60 credit on apparel and accessories. That's at whoop.com. If you have a question you want to see answered on the podcast, email us podcast at whoop.com or call us 508-443-4952. Without further ado, here are Jeremy Powers and Allison Jackson. All right, Allison, welcome to the Whoop Podcast. Thank you for being on. It's actually an honor to have you on. It really is. It's really cool to be able to sit here with you. Um, and yeah, I've just been following along over the last couple of years, of course, on social media like many of us have. But for the Whoop Podcast listeners, I think we're going to need a little lay a little groundwork to be able to give a little context on who you are and where you came from. So if we can get the people up to speed with uh, who you are a little bit and go push the Wayback Time Machine button to go back to the beginning. You grew up in Alberta, in Canada, which is the upper west corner of the country, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? Well, the, the, the furthest west. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's still uh, central because we got a lot of northern Canada still okay. to go. <laughs> I raced, actually, the tour of Alberta many, many moons ago, um, which was a stage race in Alberta. So I got to tour Alberta myself. But yeah, can you bring us back to kind of how you grew up and how you got started and um, what your childhood was like a little bit? Yeah, um, Alberta is a beautiful province um, with the mountains. You know, we got Banff, we got Lake Louise, Jasper, beautiful places everyone hears about. That's not where I'm from. I'm from way much more east of that, flatlands where it gets flat and flat, and where you, if your dog runs away, you can see them going the next day still. But yeah, just grew up small town, 4,000 people, um, farming town, grew up on a farm, yeah, did a lot of farm chores uh, growing up, riding a long, long bus ride to school. Definitely no cyclists in town. <laughs> this is actually my next question, which is, um, and at some point you found endurance sports. 
Yeah, you know, so I always just had a lot of outdoor energy as a kid, and I really wanted to be a farmer when I was younger, but I had a younger brother that my dad just really wanted to be the farmer. So then instead of, I kept being like, pick me, pick me, I want to go into the field, but that didn't happen. So instead, I just had all this outdoor energy that, um, yeah, my parents just put me in, in all the sports because in a small town, when you're a sport kid, you end up playing all the sports so that you can have a team. Um, so yeah, I just grew up with just really, um, yeah, wanting to be the best at every sport that I was put in, beat the boys. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, did a lot of team sports also was, did some gymnastics, was in ballet. Yeah. It wasn't really until I was in college that I got into any of the endurance sports and also for totally different reasons. Um, one of my life goals was learn how to surf. So I'd started swimming all the time so that when the time came, I wouldn't die, but I could session the the surf um, all day. Um, And then I was doing this uh, trek in uh, the Himalayan mountains in India. So I had been doing some running training, like endurance stuff, because it's high mountain altitude up there. And uh, then, yeah, after my first year of university, I came back to the farm. Someone who had been working for my dad had left, uh, uh, we, we say, Canadian tire special, uh, which really is like a Walmart bike just left at at the house. And I was like, I'm going to ride it to town. So that's like 20 K on the, on Alberta gravel. You know, I started doing all these things a little bit endurance style. Someone was like, Oh, you train for a triathlon. And I was like, a what? Like, what is that? But, uh, there's a little club, uh, in town, just basically that one summer. Um, I trained with them for a couple of weeks and then went to a race qualified for worlds, amateur triathlon worlds. And then was like, all right, I've uh, one of my life mottos is do well with what you have right now. So in that moment, I just, you know, took stock of what I had in my life. And it was like, well, I've got a bit of talent here. I've got, you know, the time, uh, maybe opportunity to try this out. So like, let's go all in and see what happens. Yeah. Cause you found, um, triathlon and then it, from what I read, you also went to school for running. You got a scholarship. Yeah. So after, you know, I joined a, a running club that in the end, uh, a local university was just starting up their kind of cross-country running program, had sent their athletes uh, to this local club. So I show up and I was like, oh, great. All these other university age, like similar age um, people are at, at this club. Next week, they all show up with matching jackets. I didn't get a matching jacket because I wasn't at the university, but they let me ride the bus with them to this cross-country race in Whistler, and I won. And so, yeah, the scholarship offer uh, came up, and uh, yeah, really, we had a great coach that turned me into a great runner. Um, I mean, the first year running indoor track, 3K, I got lapped. I was totally like one of the last people finishing, get lapped, awful. But uh, two years later, then I I, I won that race, that uh, championship race, Canada West Championship, for, yeah, two two years back-to-back. Just really became, you know, dove right in um, and, yeah, really became a runner by the time I graduated. Yeah, you were two-thirds of the way there. If you were riding and you were running already, then you were pretty much ready for triathlons. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, I guess so. Just <laughs> jump right in. But you made it. You made a career as a as a pro cyclist. So at some point, um, you had to have picked up or gotten the the itch for 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 professional cycling, or realized at some point that people were doing this thing and that you might be able to to have a go at it. Yeah, you know, I think I just I just love everything, honestly. And uh, whenever so I when I did triathlon, I swam with a swim club, um, and then I cycled with a cycling club and ran with the university. So whenever I was 
mind you, this never happened when I was in swimming. I never thought, oh, I just want to be a swimmer. But when I was with a cyclist, I just thought, oh, I just want to be a cyclist. And everyone was encouraging me to try to race. And then when I was just, when I was running, I also just thought, oh, I just want to be a runner. Like I just love everything. I wanted to do it all. But really at the end of my university uh, degree, I, I really just wanted to be a pro athlete. And I also forever have had this like Olympic dream. So then I kind of had some options, like, do I try to go long distance triathlon? But then, you know, you miss out on the Olympic dream thing, you know, running, my time's never plateaued. So is there potential there or cycling? I only, you know, had went to some kind of local races, BC Super Week had won some races there against pros. So really it was just a bunch of unknowns, but the, you know, walk on spot contract offer came uh, for cycling. So I was like, all right, that's it. I'm taking that as my godsend and uh, I'm going to dive right in and see where it goes. You, you took it to the top. You're an Olympian. You went to the Tokyo 2020. Yeah. Super cool. You're a national champ in Criterium, which is for anyone that's just listening to the Whoop podcast that doesn't know, that's like small laps in a downtown setting. Think like, a, you know, maybe a, a less than a mile, um, but you do like 40 of them. So Criterium national champion, time trial national champion, which is a, the, against the clock. You're very aerodynamic, very cycling, time trialing. And then you're also the 2021 national champ in the road race, which is the long, you know, uh, really hard road races that people typically see one day though, like a tour de France where you outdueled other whoop athlete, Magli Rochette for the title there in 2021 for the, for right. the Maple Leaf Jersey. <laughs> you want to stage the Cymac ladies tour and the world tour in 2021 against, uh, riders like Mariana Voss, who a lot of people say is like the queen of, of yep. cycling. She's been around forever. Um, and this year you won quite possibly one of the most beautiful cycling races in the entire sport. It's a one day race called Perry Roubaix. And for anyone that doesn't know, it's like just the most beautiful race over the Northern France cobblestone roads. Um, that's extremely treacherous. And not only do you have to be amazingly talented, but you also have to have a lot of luck, um, to not flat or puncture or be caught in the wrong thing or just have a strike of bad luck. But, um, but it's, I think, the third edition. Um, you've raced all three, but yeah. this year you win. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's the best one. <laughs> <laughs> For no one that followed the race, I mean, it was, it, was a, it, was a, it was a funny race because a lot of people um, expected the break to get reeled back in, but you were in it, and you, you played a hand. And I'd love, I'd love to just hear about how you went into that race. And, of course, I'd love to hear the whole story. Like, wh- wh- what do you think of when I talk about Perry roubaix It's still, of course, fresh in your mind. It's only been a month or change now. Yeah, you know, the Paris-Roubaix comes at the end of um, two months, basically, of all these one-day races, one-day classics that are super intense, and there's so much pressure um, to perform in these one-day races. And so far, we we hadn't gotten a win. And basically, that's the when we go into the race, that's what we want, and that's what I have had on my, you know, written down as goals. I want to win a a World Tour race, a spring classic race. Um, And we had kept losing, Uh, mind you, in cycling. You're going to lose more than you win. That's, you know, we have 200 starters and there's only one winner. So, you know, the chances of winning, right, it's the odds are against against you. But coming into this this race, I think I just had all all the losing before just really heightened the fire in me that I was going to do whatever it took to to win this race and not wait for wait for anything to happen. And in Paris-Roubaix, there's so much of that's out of your control the race favors being bold and being ahead of the race. The The plan for our team was not that I would ride in the early break. I'm, I'm really good at positioning and, and getting tougher when the race gets tougher or when it gets hard matching what that effort takes. But I 
also I just wanted to be in the action. So as you know, I, I was riding near the front, just watching how the race was sort of playing out and seeing that there's this big breakaway, uh, that was going away and, and then, uh, bridge to it. And, and that's, you know, how the, the race was won, but so far in three editions of Paris-Roubaix, this is the longest one that we've had. And we've had, we, what was added was a really big lap uh, before going into the cobbled sections. The years previous, we did these really short, fast, um, fast laps where everyone's fighting for position um, to just stay safe and try to get to the cobbles first in like a clear position. This year, because of this like longer lap, um, I felt that the breakaway had a chance to at least get ahead. And when you can get ahead of an entry, these cobblestones with a smaller group, um, it's so much less chaos. You really just get to take your time. You get to pick your line. Um, and it will help you have better luck. Um, cause this race, yeah, punctures, crashes are just, there's so many more that happen in this race than in other races just for how the parkour is. Um, so anyway, we, and we had quite a, we had a really big group and I think with this race, because we don't have such a long history, um, of seeing how this race plays out, then it's harder to predict. Mm -hmm. And so, okay, we, you know, teams maybe weren't expecting that this kind of break would go, but, and also having, you know, good riders in it. And I think the whole time I just, when I found myself in the break, I decided this is the. This is the move. This is my my play for the day. Um, I'm gonna see it through. Um, I'm not. I'm not gonna, you know, sit up or you know, try to play a game um, to save energy for the final. This is this is the tactic I've employed, and I'm gonna go all in. So I really just I wrote. The, there's a lot of girls that you know started sitting on, not riding, um, but I think. For, for me, I kept riding through every time consistently. And I think by doing that, it showed by example that I believed that this could make it. And I think that helped other people believe or like, oh, okay, like Allison, maybe she's the strongest one in the, in the break, but she's she's riding at full. Maybe we, you know, may, maybe there's something for us here too. And, um, you know, other girls were getting frustrated too that some were sitting on. And I would just say, well, what is your play? What's your tactic? Um, because when you start thinking of what other people are doing, you really have to be your own best cheerleader. And that's for me, I, I just wanted to be in the action. I wanted to ride with heart and, and really try to take this to the final. It is a little bit of a chess game and psychological. So you're like trying to drum up support for your agenda, right? Like you have a play, yeah. someone else has a play, but you, yeah, by committing people are like, okay, that's their that's their play. Like she's committed. Um, and also knowing that you, you know, your Palmer's, your results already would speak to that and be like, okay, actually she's committed. I'm going to commit more. Whereas if you were skipping turns, like not pulling through as much mm -hmm. or doing this or that, the riders would be less enthusiastic. And it came back to like 10 seconds The the big group that was chasing you all behind, like, you know, really like a, um, yeah, just like a carrot, just like trying to get to you. It was like only like 10 seconds. They could see you and they thought it was going to come back. But then, but then like the race keeps going out. And I think that that's as a fan of cycling and as someone that's raced it, that is what makes it so exciting. That is, that is what fans love to see. It's like, oh, this is happening, but it's so unpredictable and it doesn't come back. Yeah. You know, and that, that's the thing about sport is you have to, you actually have to watch it. You know, there'll be favorites of who will win or, or whatever, but there, 
we're out there for four and a half hours and there's a lot happening in that time. And it's a storyline and you got to tune in to watch the storyline and, and how it plays out. And also sport is so exciting because there's upsets and there's underdogs that show up and, you know, bad luck happen or bad luck or off days happen to the, you know, who we think are the favorites. And so you got to tune in to watch. And that's why, you know, we love sport um, and why it's such an entertainment um, for fans. And also, I think, you know, you, it takes... It takes being a talented rider. Um, it takes, you know, good training, all those things. But also, for sure, there's that that luck and that game in cycling. And and I remember from a team car, um, I was getting, you know, the time gaps, and it was coming down, coming down. And, and then, but when we get to that, you know, 5K to go, and I look back and I can see that group, and I just think, no way have I been riding out in the front for 140K to, to just let, be consumed with 5k to go. And so then at that point I was like, I'm going full. And so I put in a full big turn over the cobblestones. Um, and then basically, you know, telling to the other girls, like, this is our, this is, it's now or never. And, but what I think also happened was when you're the chase group and you're coming and you see that the time gap is coming down, coming down. And now you kind of assume you, you know, what pace, that little break in front of you is holding and you can match it and you can, you know, measure effort of, okay, we've, we've caught them. But the thing is we changed pace. So now we're in the front, we're actually started going harder. So, and, and you don't, as a group behind, you don't know that's happening. You can't see the the pace pick up, but that gap is going out and out and out. And now there's trying to play the, the tactical game of, you know, saving it for the sprint and us in the front group, we're just, all we want is to to make it to the final because for any one of those girls in that break, even if we're top ten in a Perry Roubaix, that's a huge result. And um, so I think that's what just kept us motivated. There's there's three of us that were really motivated, three or four of us that really wanted to pull through, picked up that pace, and then yeah, that's just you know how racing goes and what made the difference then to for us to keep our gap and to get into the velodrome just with the the small group. You won. I sure did. <laughs> I uh, I watched, and I think the coolest thing for me is that you know we're talking to someone that's not just a great cyclist and, and a great athlete and a great person, but also someone that's also a great entertainer. You know what I I say? I've said this in other interviews and stuff that I I'm an entertainer. But what I love about being on the bike is that it provide it's entertainment, and when you can watch athletes who really spice up the race or whatever. Like you love it. You want to watch that. And, and I admire athletes that are like that. And, and that's who I want to be on the bike, but I'm absolutely the entertainer off the bike. I've been like that since I was a kid, always, you know, at the birthday parties, like I'm the one that's like putting on the, the charades or the show for everyone else. I just want everyone to have a good time. So yeah, that's me through and through. Yeah, because I love it because like most people are looking at cycling and thinking like, oh, man, they're doing 10 watts per kilogram, 5,000 watts net sprint. And they're so look how fit they are. And, you know, oh, my gosh, look at the pain on that bike. But like the if you haven't seen this for anyone that's listening, like you have to go watch the innate emotion that comes out when Allison crosses the finish line and you immediately, which we're going to get to, um, just know that like innate, like you, you knew innately, like you didn't think about it. It wasn't planned. You won. You're like, okay, great. You immediately start to just boss the crowd by busting out into something that's authentically you, you start dancing, which is we're going to get to this, but you, 
you just start dancing like it, 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 it's such a it's such a boss move to 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 pull off like a, a life achievement right a huge career moment mm-hmm. but then also to just bust out and start entertaining and dancing after the finish <laughs> you know it's also funny people ask like oh did you plan that well no but honestly i am so enthusiastic it just that's what's going to come out of me just absolutely you know, I, I am so excited for achieving this thing and it's so cool. And I, and how else do you express yourself? I had no, I really had few words. I just had dance moves. <laughs> I texted all my friends, um, in like a group chat, uh, like a bunch of my friends are, and I are in a group chat. They're all, you know, cyclists or ex-cyclists. And I said, this is, this is the biggest personality in our sport right now. Well, yeah, thanks. I said that because I think like if you look back and you say like, oh, Peter Sagan used to like really be a crowd mm-hmm. entertainer or you look back at some of these athletes that have really not just been great cyclists, but have also like taken the sport to a place that's bigger than the sport itself. Cycling mm-hmm. is kind of a funny, funny group. Um, people that are fans are fans, but they have to become a fan for a long time. This is something that, you know, anyone could watch and be like, that's so cool that they raced over these like cobblestone roads. And yeah. then, you know, someone that started everyone that when they lined up had an opportunity to win that race. They really did. Yeah. But, but through the chess and through the good luck and through the fortune and through excellent training and all of this, and then just to have this come out like that and for you to be able to take it past just that you won the race and to be able to entertain people. I think, yeah, I think it's really cool. Well, you know, I, I really, I do love, I guess I just, I love sharing uh, my joy with others and I, I remember when I first, um, I started following these, um, basically it's like, a on YouTube, like these little dance classes and it's so funny. And I just, I, but I loved it. I had such a good time. And then I was like to my teammates, like, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to do this little, uh, dance thing. And then, uh, and then, you know, trying to get people to join in. And at first, like everyone just like, no, no, no one wanted to join me, but they, everyone wanted to watch. And what I think, from that point, it's like when someone sees, when you see someone loving their life and, and having so much joy in what they're doing, you just want to, you want to be around it or you want to be a part of it somehow. And it, it also like, it gives off just a great energy to others. And then, um, and so basically I just like kept doing it and then teammates started joining in. And then, you know, it's also like something I think dance, like in North America too, where we're pretty awkward in general, but also I think we think too much about ourselves. Um, you, you know, don't want to look silly or whatever. And, and, you know, uh, that doesn't matter to me. It goes out the window because when you have such a good time, who cares? It's really just about like the joy of the thing. But what I love is that I think, yeah, who I am and how, how I present myself, um, as a cyclist, I love how it, can bridge the gap between more than just people who love cycling, people who love sport or people who just love seeing something funny or seeing something interesting or someone really enjoying what they do. And also what I love, um, is that there's something for the whole family, basically, um, you know, kids or, or, you know, maybe there's, you know, one partner that's really into cycling and someone is not, but, but then, you know, they know who I am. They know my name because of these like silly things that I do. So yeah, I really love what it is doing to the sport. And, and honestly, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big personality. Um, and then also, you know, by winning this race, it's kind of all these things that come together to be like, 
you know, now we know the name Allison Jackson, but really in the women's Peloton, there are so many great stories. And I think it's because as our sport is developing, um, so many, when I started, like we had to work and ride bikes and we all, so many athletes, female athletes have a full education or they're doctors or they, they've had other careers almost. And then, you know, transitioned fully into cycling. So there are some great characters out there, but I think we gotta, we gotta help them pull out those storylines, you know, and how I do it for myself is just very, um, yeah, overt. And I love sharing it with others. Like I love interacting with my fans when people make comments on, on posts and stuff. I just, um, yeah, I just love sharing my joy. I definitely want to talk about the social media uh, queen that you are on on the web right now. I just wanted to ask one more question about Perry Roubaix. When you, we talk a lot at Whoop about people being really like care a lot about things uh, like themselves. They're trying to like get a little bit more from themselves, or they're trying to have a balance point in their life, or they're trying to learn something about themselves. They're trying to find one percent here as like a top athlete. Mm-hmm. You might be looking for like a, a you know, oh, if I do this thing for my sleep routine, I'll I'll sleep better. Or when I'm on the road, this thing really affects me or whatever. But the but 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 I look at top like people that would you know look at something like this or they have a team of people that would care about these types of things, mm-hmm. like whatever the, whatever it is. Like for some reason you care about the details. And when you unlock such a big achievement like Perry Roubaix, do you, do you like, I don't want to say emotional, but does, does it like raise the hair up on your arms? Like when you look at, when you look at what happened at Perry Roubaix, have you watched the video and is there an emotional response to it? Like achieving such a big unlock? Yeah. So I say, you know, what was my goal entering that race? was to win. So even when I cross the line and sometimes, you know, it looks like I'm in shock, but really it's like, it's this feeling realization that I did it. It's at this win is actually mine because there's so many times when you can get close. Um, and then, you know, you go home, you have a sleepless night. Cause you just think of all the little things that you could have done, um, you know, to try to get yourself a better position, but to actually win this race and, I also think of all the times that I've reconned this velodrome and you get to do the lap and you just imagine what it would be like to win. So to make a dream really come true, it is absolutely just like a wonderful feeling and something that in, you know, the the weeks post the race, I just really soaking up the atmosphere, the fans, my family, the people, my team, everyone involved wanting to congratulate me, just soaking that totally deep into my bones because, you know, will I have this moment again? I don't know. But um, athletes, were so it's so easy for us to already look ahead to the next event, start setting new goals. Um, and a lot of times we kind of forget that you got to, for how many years that I've been in the sport, eight years, it took to get to this win. How many times have I tried to win a big race and have just fallen short or whatever? So I really was just like, I'm celebrating this and soaking it in. And, and, uh, my friends here, so I, I live in Girona, Spain throughout the season. And when I got back, my friends had thrown a surprise party. We watched the end of the race, but what was so beautiful was watching my friends, how they would have, on the day been watching and cheering for me and also that it meant so much to them and their reactions or their, you know, you know, rooting for me, but not 
oh, it might not happen or, or, you know, saying things like, oh, well, if she gets second, well, or, you know, if she gets on the podium, that would be awesome. You know, you know, always trying to make excuses for me to, so they could still champion me, however it finished, but watching how much it meant to the other Canadians, you know, no Canadian has won a big one day classic race like this. Um, and so to see that something like this and from people who have seen you through all the ups and downs of the sport, they understand themselves that it's so hard to get here. You know, we're all, we're all trying to win big bike races and it's really hard to do. And so, yeah, just seeing how this win has this ripple effect, um, on, you know, my close friends, but then, you know, people beyond I'm locking that in my heart as a, as a very special. Yeah. Yeah. Champion mindset. But, um, you know, I just, yeah, I love the emotion. Mm. You know, it's a, it's really cool to, to see how much it means because you work towards something so long and then you achieve it. It's like you said, hundreds of race starts, lots yeah. more, way more bad days than good days. But it is that champion mindset where you're like, yeah, and today's a new day, draw a line in the sand and I'm going to walk forward from here. And, um, when you start at the, the beginning of the race, you have the opportunity to win it. If you're not into sports or you don't think that way, it really is like a champion mindset when you think of it that way. Cause you're like, you're okay with you're you're, you're not okay with defeat. You don't accept it, but you have to, yeah. someone's better on that day. But on this day, the biggest arguably race of the year, one yeah. of you were that. Yeah. So, yeah. It's really cool. And it's thanks for sharing how, it, how, it, uh, how you came back and all your friends. It's yeah. I, I love that. I think it, uh, it just shows how powerful sport is for me mm-hmm. and what it can, what it can do for people. So I do want to talk something more exciting, not that I was saying, but, but I do think that all of the front facing, putting yourself out there for everyone that doesn't know, Allison's got a massive um, following on social media, TikTok, Instagram, but you become really well known for like your dance offs for, for when you joined EF, there was a fake smoke machine um, coming out of like a cave and you guys were singing like a Celine Dion song or something like that. Was it Celine Dion? Celine Dion. <laughs> yep. Go Canada. <laughs> so. I think it's really cool because we could obviously tell from just talking to you so far that you're very extroverted. You've got like, you know, you've obviously also got this very serious athletic side to you as well. You've got, you've got clearly got like the competitor, but you know, you're, you're a purebred extrovert and I just wonder how that balances. And I think you've talked about it a little bit, but I think it's, I think it's contagious. And I wanted to talk about it from a team environment and how you've come into this team because you've ridden for this program previously. You Mm -hmm. left, you came back, you've been on different teams, but I'm curious about, um, of course, your social media, but also how you've been able to uh, interlace being a really serious athlete and also bringing that into the team and creating like a positive environment through being all those things that I already said. Yeah, it is funny. Uh, you know, I've been on some programs that maybe thought that, you know, maybe I'm not taking it so seriously, but I've always been able to back it up with, with results. And I think then people allow me to be who I am. But I think I, I, I always say, I'm going to race better. My legs are better when my heart is happy. And as top level athletes, we are looking for all those one percenters, you know, and, and, and we'll get to the charts and the science, but we have to remember that we're humans. We're not just robots. And there's things that are going to be meaningful to us or that motivate us that are outside the, the realms of training. And, um, I know that for myself and I also know how to tap into what's really good for my heart and then will be really good for my performance because when I'm in the bike race, when I feel spicy or jazzed up about, about the chaos and I want to enter into that, that's when I'm a good bike rider. Um, and, and if I don't feel like my, I can 
out of my heart of love of the sport and love of the chaos and, you know, being a little bit crazy, um, that, you know, I wouldn't be daring or I wouldn't be bold to, you know, go beyond what you sometimes believe your body can do. And, um, so when I come to a team, I really also tried to find that out for other athletes. Um, and I think we'll see people have a longer career when you enjoy all of it, when you enjoy the training and when you enjoy the racing. So I try to find, help my teammates, um, find a little bit more of that, of that balance. Um, but for sure, when it comes to race day, there, there's, there's marker, or I'm able to turn it on and off pretty quick of real fun to real, um, uh, sort of serious or, or focused bits. But coming back to the team, I knew with, you know, with the new sponsor EF education coming on and just the brands and partners that, that the team has really love the storytelling and, and this fun vibe. So I knew that my personality was really going to thrive here. And, um, it's been so fun for me to, to work with the media and marketing teams of, of all the different brands. It just gives me more ideas of things to create and I love collaborations. And, and so you're talking about the Celine Dion video. I was like, all right, team, like I've got this idea. I've had this idea and I, but I want more, like I want lights. I want, you know, and they're like, we've got a smoke machine. And I was like, bring it like, so, um, and I think that's also, you know, now, you know, being team leader for a little bit or team captain on, on teams, you earn that role when you can really motivate your teammates or when they respect you. And I do that on the bike, but also off the bike. It really matters if off the bike, if your teammates trust you, if they want to champion you, then that's an environment and a team that's going to perform well in races. If I can help people enjoy their life more, enjoy bike racing more, and also recognize that what we do is such a special, beautiful thing, that later when they look back on it to just know that it was such a rich time and that they really, you know, lived it in the best way. That's just what I want for, for everyone. When you talk about, you know, team leadership and, um, bringing the team up, it also requires you to, in the social media sense anyways, like put yourself out there. And I think also with your teammates, it's you, you know, you have to, you also sometimes like we, we get things wrong. Like, well, you know, we made that call on the road and it was the wrong one. And like, yep. you know, we're going to own that. We're going to move on. So it's like, there's highs and lows, which you've clearly stated in like social media, you know, you just like, you're painting a whole picture for yourself. Like it's the real person that's there. What was that first step like for putting yourself out there? Because I think some people listening, they think that it's like, you know, dancing on camera or, you know, being, you know, so much out there, opening yourself up to that. Um, I know you said a little bit, it's like, Hey, it makes me feel good in my heart. Like this is what I need to like express myself. Mm -hmm. But on the other side of it, I, I, I'm always curious about when you take that first step to saying like, Oh, you know what? I'm going to take this. I'm going to put myself out there. People are ultimately going to like either like it or they don't. Right. They kind of are attracted to their own personalities. So I think my question is around, you know, how does it, there's going to be days that are, that are better than others. There's going to be things that like slam or don't, how do you, how do you deal with that? And what is your mindset around like, you know, good race, bad race, uh, good TikTok or Instagram video, or, you know, there's just, there's just a lot of like, uh, negativity in the air around these things. How do you, how do you overcome that? It's a big part of kind of our culture today is like people are, you know, it's really easy to just hop on and say things that are negative or to this or that. So I was, I was just wondering because you have truly like more so than any other cyclist that I know, put yourself out there on social media to be, you know, I think in a very positive way, 97, eight, nine percent of the time. <laughs> 
I guess it's like I've always made videos and silly things, you know, and then, but I love sharing, like for me, um, really when I started sharing things on Instagram or a little more like dance or storytelling was during the pandemic. And really, I just needed to make myself laugh. That's how I I was going to cope with, you know, being at home alone. I had so much time on my hands. And then, you know, I would just be like, I'm home alone. I'm just killing myself laughing at the things that I'm doing. And then then thinking sometimes like, man, is this like such an inside joke? It won't be funny to anyone else. But I was like, I think it's so funny. Like, I wonder if other people think it's funny. And then it was getting great responses. And so then I was and and that's the thing. I just love sharing my joy. But I also I have such a high value of people and their uniquenesses and their quirks. And I think it's beautiful. And that's what like humans are wonderful, beautiful things. And I think when I allow myself to be my weird self and as quirky and just as who I am, it really allows other people to be who they are. And, and, uh, so, you know, I'm going to be the first person to do it, but what I, I recognize is just that it allows people to really hopefully, you know, to accept themselves a little bit more or like, Oh, okay. I like this weird thing. And I'm like, that's awesome. Because, um, when people are really passionate about something, no matter what it is as weird or whatever, but if they're really passionate about it, those are the people I want to be around and I want to hear from them and want to learn why they're so passionate about whatever it is. So that's sort of the, my baseline, you know, understanding of humanity and people. Um, and so then, yeah, that's basically where I present myself. It sounds like it brings you some balance. Like, you know, you've got this, like you said, you can like almost put the jacket on or take it off, right? Like you can be this very serious competitor, but you can also be this like lighthearted person that's fun having a good time and like making a dance video or taking a picture. But I also think it seems like it maybe is like a balance point for you. Yeah. And also you're saying like, uh, you know, sometimes there's going to be, uh, you know, videos that really hit like viral video million views. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. And then there's other, that's like really, I'm, I also actually, I think all my videos are so funny, <laughs> but you know, some that just like, Oh, doesn't hit, but whatever we have to understand that there's an average. So like, sometimes I'm like, Oh, this one's really good. But in order to have an average, you have to have ones that are just not good. Right. To have, you know, and I feel like I have a pretty good average, but there's going to be ones that just don't make it. But I think I enjoy what I produce. Um, and that's, for me, that's good. That's good enough for me. Yeah. When you're not looking for validation or affirmation from, from others and you can take it from, uh, you know, um, either from like a deeper, like faith point or, you know, how you see yourself, um, that's going to be a much healthier base for when you're trying to project to a world that can be very, very negative. And, you know, I take that in bike racing too. And that's resiliency also, you know, a lot of times, and I have teammates, you know, currently that, you know, breakout season or you, or the year before you're like, wow, okay. You know, I was always top 30 next year. I'll be top 20 next year, top 10. And then I'm winning races, but life and also cycling is not linear that way. You're going to have, you know, you're going to want to see progression, but it's not going to be just exactly that linear. You're going to have, you know, a great race. And then you might really have no results or nothing and nothing's working out. Maybe it's injury. Maybe it's just whatever else is going on. And you have to allow that to happen and not, you know, get so negative about it because, you know, as we know in life, you're going to have these ups and downs and, and you just got to hold on and, you know, keep cheering for yourself, uh, believing in yourself, believing in the work and in the storyline and the process so that, you know, you're ready for like 
that next moment when all the things come together for, for, you know, a, a better result. So yeah, I think, I think it's a, this balance of perspective and, and also sort of seeing a, a bigger, a bigger picture and making sure that your validation of who you are comes from a deeper source than, you know, any of these externals. You talked earlier about about like a motto that you had, kind of in a similar vein, where it's like you got to do kind of you got to do the most with what you've got. Can you can you say that? Yeah, do well with what you have right now. Where does that where does that come from? Because that's also similar. Like it comes into the same similar vein. Yeah, yeah. So it that actually comes from like a story. It's a biblical story, um, but and it's really. It's not how much you're given. So, you know, I can think of that as like talent or resources or whatever. I could look around and see that, oh, I mean, people, kids in Europe, they started riding bikes way before me. I got my first bike when I was 19. Oh, disadvantage. Well, instead of seeing it that way, I just think, okay, well, actually, what do I have right now? You know, I might not have had all of that, you know, bike racing uh, growing up, but right now I have, you know, extra time on my hands, maybe I just become a student of bike racing. I'm going to watch all the bike races, you know, what can I do right now? Or some, you know, sometimes it was, um, like I raced for an Italian team and I was out here and we were racing all the time. And I was like, okay, what I have right now is, um, the opportunity to get into the bike races. I have the opportunity to learn another language. You know, um, you got to see what, what the opportunities are and then really dig into that and then just try to manage the, the negatives because you're, you're not going to be able to have a perfect storm, you know, in every scenario or every team that I move to, I try to look at what's really good about this program. Um, and then I'm going to dive full in hundred percent into those things. And it, it might not be all the things that you want or that you think will make you a better rider, but the things that are really good in the program, those are going to be great. So that just like, soak in all those things, learn as much as you can from that, those parts, sort of manage the rest. Yeah. I, I think that's, yeah, basically that's been my motto ever since I I've been young growing up saying yes to opportunities and then just exploiting absolutely, uh, what I have right now in the moment and then reassessing, taking stock of life and, and what are, what I have, what are my resources at, at other points as, as we go along. Mm. So I guess with that, I wanted to just talk a little bit about other things that are sort of outliers for you, um, things that you do that are peculiar. <laughs> we see you cooking a lot. We see you doing different things on your stories. So I feel like, you know, we get to know more about you um, through your through your social media because you're so willing to share. But what are some of the other things that, um, that you do that are maybe like uh, quirky, but also that people like, you know, making videos and TikTok is not something that everyone does. Like, um putting um like making poutine waffles and putting them in your pocket and bringing them with you to to training rides um you know like these you know these different things i think show a lot of your personality and your creativeness um so i was just wondering if you'd run us through like a handful of things that you um you know do that keep you smiling that are outside of some things we've already talked about yeah so i'm i'm 34 and also one of my other mottos is uh that you have to be brave to be bad at something new. And I think a lot of times adults, we are very comfortable and we like being good at something. And by the time, you know, when we're adults, we found something that we're pretty good at. And so we're really comfortable staying there, but to try something new, oh, it's awkward. You know, the, the learning phase, it's, it doesn't look great. Um, but 
you know, as kids, we understand that you're, uh, you're kind of all your peers are maybe not great at something and you learn together and it's fine. And we tell our kids it's fine to fail. And then, but if you keep trying, you know, you're going to learn a skill. Well, that still applies to adults, but we're yeah, less brave to, to sort of kind of be seen as funny to try some things. Well, but I am not. So, <laughs> um, a few things that, and, and in the off season, I always try to learn something new. So in this last off season, well, I've been, um, uh, really wanted to perfect my pasta making, which, uh, my roommates love actually. Then, uh, I have, a, a f- my sister's family. Um, they're really into, to golf and my nephews who are, are four and six, they've been hitting the golf course and I've been watching and I'm like, you know what, if I ever go golfing with them, I am absolutely going to lose, but I can't let that happen. So now I have a putting, a little putting green in, in my house on my patio that I, uh, we're actually looking at it right now <laughs> that I pull out to practice just so that, um, I make sure that I win. <laughs> Those kids are not getting an easy win at all ever. So, um, been doing that. Um, and I've also, uh, this winter taken up skateboarding, which is so dangerous holy moly but basically i just want to be able to do one trick so that you know uh just to be cool for the kids basically like any kids on the street you know where i can walk up and be like oh uh i kind of know a trick uh let me let me try and i'm just like this you know old lady and then kick flip and then mic drop and i'm out of there that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, we're here. It just you know, that's just the competitor in you. It's like I was uh, trying to get the IT set up here, meaning like all of the microphones and stuff. As we have a chopper come across, no, no autographs of Allison, please. She's not, she's not doing any media right now up there. <laughs> as the helicopter comes over, no, it's just the the champion mindset. You just like you're 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 like you're not gonna let your your nephews or your nieces get in. You're not gonna let them take the win. You're gonna be practicing in your off time, getting these putts right, so that when when you show up to mini golf. You smash them. <laughs> That's a hundred percent right. I actually <laughs> remember, um, play, so I love my nieces and nephews mostly because, uh, they're about the only people that match my energy. Um, but I remember my oldest nephew when he was three and, uh, we're, we're running, like we're, we're chasing the ball for the dog, but basically we're running after the ball every time and we're running and then he's getting a little slower, but we just keep going. We keep going. And then, uh, and then I looked down and I, He's got beads of sweat coming down his face. And I was like, oh my gosh, dude, three-year-olds, are they allowed to sweat like that? But one of my favorite things too is like, I will never be the person that says, all right, we should sit down or like, should we go inside? Uh, Because it's my own little competition that doesn't matter to anyone else. No, but to me, yes. To, for my nephews to have to be like, "Uh, we should sit down or like, maybe we should stop running right now. And I'll be like, okay, but then I know I've won. (laughs) I love that. Uh, well, I want to I want to talk about um, also this summer. So, like, what you've got coming up because we know that you're training in the off season for serious stuff like golfing with your nieces and nephews, and you're also uh, probably working on a thousand creative ideas for new uh, Instagram and TikTok reels and videos, um, among many other things. But you also have a lot of racing coming up. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's the thing too. I mean, after Paris-Roubaix, we still had two races that we had to, you know, finish out that week and, and we've got, yeah, lots of goals. And, and now, you know, checking off some, um, on the goals list, we can add some more in. So yeah, looking forward to the summer's racing. You're going to be doing the, or potentially, I, I don't want to say you're going to be, but, but it sounds like there's a good chance or you're on the long list to do the Tour de France Femmes, which is going to be exciting. 
yeah i'm i'm really looking forward to to that race um to to get to be a part of another big historic sort of moment um and momentum with within women's cycling yeah it's a big one and and it's also so visible which is is really exciting can we talk about that? I guess women's cycling in general and Tour de France Femmes and, and Perry Roubaix, you know, Femmes presented by Avex Zwift. Um, Zwift is, uh, of course, a big partner in, in making these events possible. And, you know, I think I think women's cycling right now, in my perspective, has has somewhere to go. Um, but I also think it's in the best spot it's ever been in. Yeah, it's really it's really cool to see the progression from when I um, jumped in to all the things that, you know, have been added to the calendar and have been added to working conditions and the world tour. And, and we have, you know, some legends in the sport that, you know, once they retired from bike racing, they've really committed to, to pressuring the UCI, pressuring the ASO to, to make um, things happen for us. And so the cyclist Alliance, um, I just admire so much the women that have been a part of that to, to really push forward and not just talk about how, there's a, a gap between men's cycling and women's cycling, but actually make things happen. Um, cause that conversation for a while was, was just that it was just a conversation. Um, but we have fans that, you know, they'll, they'll find that very obscure, like Twitter feed or like whatever, you know, camera that's, um, in the caravan that you really can't see anything in the race, but people are, you know, fans really want to see, um, what's happening. And, uh, so we also have, you know, the fans to thank for, for, um, really pressuring organizations to, to show the races. Yeah. So it, it is a really exciting time. Um, when we have, you know, the tour de France, um, uh, which as a Canadian, you know, I say I'm a professional cyclist and, and people will say, Oh, so do you go to the Olympics? Or they'll say like the tour de France, you know, those are the reference points for, for what a sporting accomplishment is. And now I can say yes to both those things that, yeah, th- we have the opportunity as female cyclists now to be on the, the biggest stage and be connected with uh, the long history that Perry Roubaix has on the men's side and, and the tour de France has on the men's side. It's a lot of positive things um, that you said there. What what needs work in the women's uh, peloton? Like, what's the what's like kind of the top top two three things that you think need to need work in the women's peloton? Yeah, for sure. Um, TV coverage right from kilometer zero. For example, Perry Bay. That's a race people really want to see from zero um, to the finish because there's so much action, and really the cameras only turn on you know much later. The the break was already established. Um, so, so, and the fans are asking for it too. Um, and, and then I think when there is a consistent place where you can go to watch the, the sport, then fans will stay when it, when it's, when they're not sure when they can watch it or where it will be found, then you're going to lose the audience. Um, then I also think now we need to have more, so we have the world tour, um, but we also need to develop out the the building blocks to get there, um, and have more U23 standalone events, um, also a standalone U23 road race and time trial at world championships. Right now they're trying to put the U23 women's race inside the elite race, which just makes tactics weird. And then it also, um, excludes a lot of riders from competing at world championships, uh, because, uh, nations only have a certain quota. They'll only have a, you know, a team of six allowed and they have to split that, that now between, do they want to have a, you know, a chance of winning the U23 title or the elite title? And so, um, 
yeah, we, we need to separate those things. And then, um, yeah, I, I think just help build that pathway from junior to U23 to, to elite. You'll go to the Tour de France. You already said it earlier in this interview as a leader to EF. You'll be one of the, you'll be like the, the team captain. Yeah, team captain. Well, team captain is a little different than leader. Uh, team captain will be on the road, decision making, guiding the team, taking in all the information of what's happening on the road, and then making decisions. Which I I, I love to have that role, and I think overall the tours, you know, we'll have to see the the players that we're bringing and what our, you know, our goals will be. But I really want to be able to put my hand up for a stage um, to have my shot at, at taking a win. Yeah. And what do you think you need to, what will you be looking to improve on? You've already had great form. You've taken some great, like you were, you've been on the podium a bunch already, like early season. You've obviously won Paris-Roubaix. You've been having like, I would say a great year. You've been in the mix for a lot of races. Um, what will you try to work on now to be able to be your, I, I think you'll, I'm assuming you'll try to be at a peak for the women's Tour de France. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, that's the plan. Um, and you know, uh, we've been working hard towards that, um, on different, different things. So taking a closer look at the courses and trying to mimic some of, you know, what that TSS will look like in training, um, and day after day sort of riding. Yeah. And it's, I mean, when we get into stage racing, it's like, I'm a, I'm a really good one day, uh, classics rider. So, so this, yeah, we'll take a little bit more, um, training sort of that fatigue resistance going into it which makes training not as fun. It's very hard, but you know, we do that for, for the hope of glory later. Yeah. And then what I'm really passionate about too, is like I, what I hope my Perry Roubaix win has done for the team is allowed my teammates to think, Oh, maybe that could be me and, and believe in themselves. And then, and then also be able, you know, they'll have the belief in me that I can do it. What I want to do is, from my experience of racing and the teams that I've been on, um, I, I want to be able to teach that to my teammates so that we come in with a really strong team. Because I've been at, you know, big bike races trying to win it on my own, and, and it's you can't do it. The field in women's racing now is, is too deep. You have to have really strong teammates in order to make it to the final and make a win happen. So really just trying to tap into teaching my teammates just more teamwork or some of the skills in the Peloton or developing our, our tactics together. Um, cause I think if we come in with a, with a really well-oiled unit, um, we're gonna, we're gonna be at the pointy end of the bike race more often. I just want to tap into it. You've talked a lot about like leadership and I think there's like a quote, you know, like success leaves clues. I don't know who started, but like, it's kind of this whole thing. Like you've had success at Paris-Roubaix. You're bringing like a lot of time in the Peloton. You're bringing a really positive environment. Bad day happens. What do you say to the team in the, in those instances? Like Tour de France, you're there. Bad day. Yeah. You know, what's interesting about that? As a that, team captain. Yeah. It's going to be, my approach is absolutely going to be different per person and really seeing what they need. Um, it's also going to be so situational what happened in the race. Why didn't we make it? But, but what's always going to be good is, so we're going to need to be critical. Like if we miss the mark, there's a reason why. And we got to take ownership for what did not go well, because if we can take ownership for it, then we can try to fix it. If it's something that was out of our control or for always passing it off as, you know, uh, a problem that was not us, then we can never really move forward or learn to change or, or try to think creatively and how we can bypass whatever was, was going wrong. So we're, it's going to be critical and there's probably going to be some hard talks, 
but always, there's always going to be something positive that happened in the race. And whether, you know, is it a tangible thing? Was it a mindset thing? Was there some small part in the race? We, we really need to be able to take moments and celebrate the small wins to just keep ourselves going. Uh, cause I think we can be very athletes can be very critical on, on our, on ourselves, but we also equally enough need to champion ourselves in the small moments and the small wins so we can take into the next, I think an attitude of excitement that, you know, maybe we could do better is going to be a better attitude than, oh, I was so bad. I'll never make it because with that attitude, then already, yeah, you're not going to make it. You have to think, but what if I can? Yeah. I always, I always would say it to myself, like every day is a great day with the, with the right mindset, right? Like I've I've literally told myself that a thousand times like, Oh yeah, we could look at this three different ways. You could also go up to the, to the counter at the airport and you could say like, yeah, I need to check in for my flight. Or you could say like, Hey, I hope you know, Oh, sounds like that person in front of you was a jerk. Um, like I, yeah. I'm really sorry for that. And like, I, you know, I, like I'm a new person. Like I'm, I'm here to, right. right. But with the mind, right mindset, like there's two totally different outcomes. Like one person's a jerk and then you're a jerk behind it. It's like, it starts to ruin that person's day. But you can also like with the right mindset, you're like, actually, I'm going to be a bright shining star here. I'm going to give them this energy. Yeah. Changes the whole outcome of the day or for that person and for you. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think it, being able to experience something not great and then put a pin in it and shift. That's very, it's really hard to do. And that's a skill that, that you have to learn, but exactly like you say, like maybe you're having such a terrible time, but one good thing happens. You got to latch onto that. Cause sometimes when we're in such a gloomy place, we don't have the eyes to see the beautiful moment that's happening right in front of us. So we got to be able to separate those things or put it, recognize that. I mean, it's still a tough time. Like in a bike race. Yeah. We still miss the marker. It's, you know, you know, we made mistakes. You got to still recognize that and sit with that. It's uncomfortable, but also be able to put a pin in it so you can see the other things that are really beautiful that's happening all around it or at the same time. I wanted to talk a little bit just about, uh, whoop, you know, we're on the whoop podcast, but I was just curious to know, you know, what, what it is about, you know, in general, like in cycling, we, we, there's so many things that you can measure. You get spun out with them. You can measure power, heart rate, you can measure, um, you know, you can journal, you can do so many things, therapy, sports, psychology, different languages. There's a lot of things that you can spend Mm -hmm. your time on as a professional athlete. And whoop is one of those things that we really believe in. And, you know, it's a huge part of our, the people that work here and like making it a perfect product to be able to help people get like a little bit from themselves. I'm curious if there's anything that, um, you see in the team or that you've learned from whoop over, you know, the last year or whatever, how long you've been using it on and off that has stuck out to you. That's been something that you've implemented in your life or that you've seen someone else grow from that's been able to help them. Yeah. Well, I mean, sleep is such a, is such an important part of recovery. And it's one of those things that we just take for granted sometimes. So for me, I swear my, my special power, my superpower is that I can sleep anywhere at any time. That's amazing. Yes. And for the career that I live in, this is, this is really good. Um, but what's interesting is when we can make it measurable and also, you know, our sleep is not static as in, we don't need the same amount of sleep all the, all the time. You know, how do we recover best from like a really long effort versus a rest day or things like that. So that's interesting, just more data to sort of, um, put in, but 
and then also having extra data uh you know we wear the whoop when we sleep but also when we exercise so it it adds uh it fills out the picture for my coaches a little bit better and i totally am like i ride by heart and i'm by passion i ask heart i ask the questions you know to pitch them to my coach he gives me like a you know all the science and that's great um but once I just believe in something that I'm all in, but I leave all the science to someone else, which is why we have so much, so many staff members on the team and coaching. Um, cause there is so much data analysis and science and they look at all that. So whoop is just another great tool that I also can give all the data to, to the coach to look at and to match with, you know, what's going on in training and, you know, what are we getting, um, you know, just from my comments, right. Um, cause how, how, what the data says, and then also how we're experiencing it. You got to put those two together to create, you know, fill out this, this full picture. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, um, I think for, for probably for someone, like, for someone like you, I don't, I don't know you forever, but from what I can tell, from what I can see is like, you might need to be, um, held back a little bit. <laughs> like you might want to be like, Hey, we noticed you had a 20 strain today. Um, but it looks like there was a two hours of dancing, uh, in there. <laughs> yeah. On my training peaks too, we have this like pie chart, right? Where it's like how, you know, how much of your training is, is, uh, cycling there there's a little pie chart for uh a little slice that's for you know the the core workouts or the strength stuff there's also a little slice there for you know tiktok dance dance moves because uh yeah it does take some energy you know <laughs> of course there's a lot of takes and um yeah i think that's the thing is like it does paint like a, a big picture like a full day like yeah you know what you did on the bike there's a power meter there's a heart rate monitor you got like other things that you're like measuring everything with and then you've got your comments like how you're feeling but then you've got like this well i like went down and i did two hours of dancing and then I also like did an hour of putting so that I can smash my nieces and nephews and then I also took the dog for a walk downstairs like I was just jamming around that stuff adds up and that's like but, but I know Alza we said it was supposed to be a rest day you're like oh yes yes but we can see that you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> also you know there's a few of, of my teammates who who love that we have a, a group chat on the whoop which is really fun but also can be a little bit invasive into your life i'll get i'll get a text message in, in the day just being like allison like what was going on you only slept for four hours and i was like oh yeah uh you know i was out at the cafe but it, you know they're playing some music and we stayed out a little later you know what I mean? like it, it's so funny some of my teammates are really like into this but also we're also competitive too so it ranks you on like recovery strain score like sleep like i want to get that hundred percent so sometimes it becomes also this like fun little game that we play within the team yeah no i do know because i i'm also on there with like friends and family and um yeah no i know they they know everything it's uh <laughs> i think it's good because it also pushes you right like yeah. oh yeah like i know like you know i gotta get i gotta get and get online like literally i'm on this right now i'm on a big tour of europe doing a lot of you know different things for for work and uh you know people can tell like hey it looks like you're Looks like you haven't really been sleeping very much. I'm like, it's that's because I'm traveling and I'm in a different hotel every week. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. Checking in, like, what is this a work trip or what is this? It just reminds <laughs> you of like, yes, I, I'm out there. Well, Allison, it's been amazing to get to know you. Um, thank you for sharing so much with us here on the Whoop Podcast. We're wishing you a ton of success in everything that you've got coming up this summer and beyond. Thank, thank you. you for 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 being a Whoop ambassador and for for uh, believing in the product, for using it, and for being such a great leader and an advocate for cycling. It's really great to spend the time with you and wishing you all the best and everything to come. Thank you very much. 
Thank you to Allison for coming on the Whoop podcast, and congratulations to her on an amazing cycling career. If you enjoyed this episode of the Whoop podcast, please leave a rating or review. Check us out on social at Whoop at Will Ahmed. If you have a question you want us to see answered on the podcast, email us podcast at whoop.com. Call us 508-443-4952. We're going to answer your questions on a future episode. If you're thinking about joining Whoop, you can sign up now for a free 30-day trial. That's at whoop.com. You can alternatively use the code WILL and get a $60 credit on Whoop accessories when you buy a prepaid membership. That's a wrap, folks. Thank you all for listening. We'll catch you next week on the Whoop podcast. As always, stay healthy and stay in the green.